Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we talk with Portland-based pastor Jeff Lassine. If you would have known Jeff 20 years ago, he would have gladly called himself a pot-smoking enthusiast, but God saved him and has now brought him to pastor his people. Jeff talks to us about recreational marijuana and the Christian. It seems to me that on the whole, the recreational use of marijuana as a kind of a means for enjoyment is actually a reality distorting substance, not a reality clarifying substance. Hey, it's Isaac here. Hope you're all well. Two weeks ago, we had our second Indo Live event called Let's Talk Marijuana. It was a really fun event, an important event. Uh, if you want to see it, simply go to our Facebook page, scroll down, you can find the live stream post. We're also going to be coming out with a higher quality edit, uh, filmed with different cameras in the near future for your enjoyment as well. So we'll just keep, keep hearing out for that. Anyways, marijuana, especially recreational marijuana, is really important for us to talk about today since the Canadian government is talking about legalizing it this summer or fall. We wanted to talk with Pastor Jeff because not only has he experienced marijuana himself, he now pastors a church in a state, Oregon, which has legalized recreational marijuana for three years now. We asked him some questions, including the very basic question, is it okay for a Christian to engage with recreational marijuana? Here's our conversation. With me today is pastor of Selwood Church in Portland, Oregon, Jeff Lassine. Uh, he's graduated from Bethlehem Seminary, and now, as I said, he pastors in Portland, and he's written different articles for uh, various ministries. It's great to be with you today, Jeff. It's good to be with you too, Isaac. Um, as you may or may not know, and I'm, I'm talking to you, Jeff, but also to our listeners, Canada is most likely legalizing recreational marijuana this summer. I say most likely in that it probably is going to happen, but uh, there's off chance that it might not, but it's probably 90% sure. And for many of us, uh, we grew up with this idea that marijuana is bad. We had groups come into our elementary schools saying that marijuana is bad and that we should not engage in it. It's the gateway drug, so on and so forth. Yet now, so interesting, our government is saying... Go for it. Just be safe. Um, and this is why a conversation about this issue is just so important. Um, so before we get into this kind of more direct questions, Jeff, you mentioned in an article online that you have uh, you have history with pot. Um, so I would love for you to kind of share your story. Obviously, it includes pot, but then also just who you are in general, how you got saved, things like that. Great. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you today. And I love to tell my story not so much because... Uh, it uh, says much about me, but I think it does tell us a lot about who God is and, mm. and what he does uh, in the lives of sinners like myself. Um, I grew up in a home with two parents that were pretty new to evangelical Christianity. Uh, my mom wasn't raised in any faith tradition. My dad was raised Catholic, and so they were figuring out their relationship with God, how to foster a marriage that is honoring to God. And my home life was often pretty chaotic and dysfunctional in those younger years. Mm. However, my parents were believers, and uh, they were very intentional about expressing love and affection to me and my one younger brother. And they instilled in me some very important values. Uh, and more importantly, they, they modeled uh, Proverbs twenty four sixteen. I often think about that uh, when thinking about those growing up years and what my parents showed me is that the righteous fall seven times and rise again. Uh, and they showed this to me by their, their just continual expressions of sorrow over their sin, their desire to live in repentance, 
I also think of uh, Psalm 37, 23, uh, when, the, when the psalmist is speaking about those who are blessed by God. He says, though they fall, though the, the blessed man falls, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. And uh, I saw that upholding um, over the long haul with my parents who are still together today, uh, though they had really rocky beginnings and uh, they're seeking God together, absolutely amazing grandparents and parents. Uh, but, but in those younger years, I carried with me a, a lot of ache in my heart, significant pain, but still had this context of faith, never really doubting that Jesus was the eternal son of God who had come to rescue sinners like me for the glory of the Father. And uh, I, I, I had what I believe to be some, some pretty significant spiritual experiences in those early years, which also added to this conviction of the reality of God and His Son, whom He sent to the world to save me. Um, and, and Jesus had just simply always captivated my imagination. You know, this, this God come to the flesh to dwell in the midst of our pain and sorrow, to win for us victory and eternal unity with God. Um, and, and his life and perfection, love, power, they just he, captivated my curiosities. But I ended up in a pretty rough public school uh, in fifth and sixth grade and uh, was significantly bullied. Um, and bullying then in the late 80s, early 90s, didn't receive the kind of media attention or public disdain that it does today. Uh, but people thought of it then, and, uh, and I think my parents and teachers uh, thought of it then as, as kind of a normal part of life, a normal part of growing up, not necessarily something to be protected from, something that makes you more rugged, you know, uh, helps you grow up. But these bullying experiences really exacerbated my inward emotional, mental, spiritual anguish, the sense of lostness that I had, and I, be, I began to escape towards sin. And especially in junior high, that's when everyone at that time was getting plugged into the internet uh, at home and and uh, bulletin board services through modems before there was you know the the World Wide Web and um, and that opened up the world of pornography to me uh, and and I also so I turned to pornography. I also began experimenting with alcohol, stealing beer from. Uh, uh, my parents' liquor cabinet, and I began smoking cigarettes when I could get my hands on them, and uh, began to develop a, a friend group that was into these things as well. And in my freshman year of high school, I actively sought out marijuana. It wasn't something that was pushed on me. It was something that I sought out. And uh, I was in a middle-class home, so it wasn't hard for me to get a hold of some money, and I would buy marijuana and people who wanted to smoke marijuana would just come to hang out with me and I enjoyed their I enjoyed their company. And marijuana became in those years in high school kind of a security blanket identity thing for me. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the culture behind it. I I enjoyed the secretive nature of it. It was it was like a hobby. It was like my hobby. Um I like how it made me feel. Uh, I liked the rebellious, anti-institutional nature of it, the culture behind it. And I was also always fascinated with the hippie movement, saw myself as a kind of neo-hippie, and uh, marijuana was a big part of that. So uh, even when my friend group changed, my sophomore year of high school and onward to the more artsy, band, intellectual crowd, I kept marijuana as a part of my identity. And I was I was the pot smoker, pot supplier of the group. And this is when marijuana was totally illegal. There wasn't 
you know, medical marijuana. Um, and so there was a, a, a whole cult, counterculture around it. And by the end of my high school days, I was nearly a daily marijuana smoker, began to experiment with other drugs. I'd always dreamed of going to Northwestern University in Chicago, but I'd lost the motivation at that point to even walk through the lengthy application process. So I filled out the one-page app to go to University of Iowa, which had uh, one of the few film majors in the Midwest. I wanted to become a screenwriter. And my mind was uh, not on learning or academics at all. I was set on partying, and I was uh, smoking marijuana every day and using other drugs as well. I was given to immorality, and my grades obviously suffered. So I dropped out after first semester and just lived there in Iowa City, living on people's couches, uh, hoboing, partying. And then on April 20th, 2000, uh, I was, so nearly 18 years ago now, I was at a psychedelic rock concert. Um, and at the concert, I just became disgusted at the, with the life I was living, uh, in a new way, uh, that had happened a, a number of other times, but also along with that disgust of my current lifestyle, the way I was living was a new, just compellingly, uh, beautiful, a compelling desire to follow Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus um, became compellingly beautiful to me, and, and, and the pardon he offered to me became irresistible. And uh, I resolved to give my life at that concert. Uh, as I was contemplating the gospel, I resolved to give my life over to him and to follow him that night. So I moved home, restored relationship with my parents within a week or two, uh, and to make a longer story shorter, I, I ended up moving out to a Christian commune of sorts in Northern California. I was baptized in the Eel River there in Northern California, those who are familiar with the area there. I, I read through the Bible in a year and began to get more active, sharing my faith with others, and then eventually moved up to Oregon to study uh, the Bible with a community here in Oregon. And I met my wife, began to be, be more invested in local churches that weren't merely made up of hippies like me. Uh, People recognized that I was helpful to them gradually and explaining the Bible, exhorting them to believe and obey the Bible. And so I began to teach and preach in churches, married my wife, Chelsea. We had our first child, started undergrad at Multnomah University, and then went on to um, seminary programs and came back eventually to Portland to pastor this church and have been loving it. Uh, I've been here now for the last four years. So that's kind of uh, both my history with marijuana and my testimony kind of in a nutshell there. That's awesome. And thank you for that. I think that's helpful because I think a lot of people can look at different parts of that. I, I certainly can and be like, okay, yeah, I can definitely relate to that thing. And it, it, it's amazing too that, you know, you say April, it was April 20th, which is obviously that is the, the yes. sort of pot, you know, party day of the year. Right, right. Uh, and it's sometimes in those moments of the climax of those moments that God is just like, no, I'm, I want you. Uh, and that's that's powerful. And that's so good. Um, all right, Jeff, let's let's just jump right in here straight away. Um, looking at the issue of recreational uh, marijuana, specifically, do you think it is compatible with a an evangelical Christian worldview? Why, why mm-hmm. or why not? What does the Bible say? Well, at the outset, I, I want to say I think that in talking about this, it's, it's important that we um, have a fair amount of nuance and look at the big picture first. Um, because there's been a tendency, I think, within Christianity and, and within especially evangelicalism and the more conservative elements of evangelicalism, sometimes to give 
kind of pat answers. Tell me the yes or the no. Just just give me the answer, right? What is what, and and it's a good impulse when we want to know what the Bible says. Um, but I think to be immersed with the big picture is really important. And the big picture of what the whole Christian program is about, what God is doing, um, is is that He is exposing reality um, to sinners. So sin has distorted our reality. We do not see things as they really are. There is a magnificent, glorious, awesome God who rules over the universe. And um, we are blind. We are born blind to the beauty of that God. We're blind to who he is and we're separated from him. And our reality, things are distorted. And what God is doing in the gospel um, and is, is he is taking the blinders off for us to see reality and to see him as he really is. Uh, so, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 how, how we see through a glass dimly. And we'll soon see more clearly. But as Christians, we've been given eyes to see. We see dimly, but we want to see more clearly. That is the impulse. And where we're headed is to experience the glory of God as he is in our physical bodies as we were intended to experience him. So that's our trajectory. That's the big, that's the big picture. And I think that it's good that we couch the different commands and towards sobriety, uh, you know, first Thessalonians five, first Peter five, uh, in that bigger picture. Why, uh, you know, it's not just these moralistic commands, be sober, don't do this, but it's because of this impulse towards experiencing the reality of God and, and, and being aware of the dangers around us and, and fighting that good fight of faith so that we would, that we continue down that path to knowing God and, and seeing him as he actually is, and not further distorting reality through sin and and going towards that way of blindness that we were once in. So uh, in that light, um, so my in my experience personally, and in my uh, experience as a pastor and a friend of others that have um, experimented with recreational marijuana, it seems to me that on the whole, the recreational use of marijuana as a, as a kind of a, a means for enjoyment is actually a reality distorting substance, not a reality clarifying substance. Um, and and so and I, and I say that on the whole in general because there are a lot of nuances to this issue. Like there are you know hundreds of different strains of marijuana, thousands of different strains of marijuana with different levels of THC and all those things react on bodies differently and all those type of things. But in general, on the whole, it seems that marijuana is is unhelpful in that pursuit of experiencing the glory of God as he is and seeing things as they are. And and often it is very unhelpful to that goal. Uh, sometimes we see it very destructive um, in that journey towards someone wanting to see reality and experience things as they really are. Um, so that's been my, um, my experience. And from where I'm sitting, that's how I see, um, recreational marijuana. And, and that's good because, you know, 
you're you're right. You, you kind of preface this whole thing with, you know, we, we do want to know just black and white answers. What does the Bible say about it? But obviously we're not going to find anything uh, in the Bible that directly says this. And then we'll we'll look at things like sobriety and things like that and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess it won't, can't work. But I, I love what you're saying here. And I think it's important for all of us to hear. And it, this, this, this is bigger than just marijuana. You know, look at all the things that you're taking right. part in every single day. And is it a reality distorting thing or is it a reality yes. enhancing? And that's... That's powerful. That's really cool because it's 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 reminding us of our. Uh, I think Jamie Smith talks about it as our telos. So what's our end goal? Mm. It's it's mm. to see God. It's to see the glory of of Jesus Christ. And we're said, you know, those who are pure see God in Matthew five, and that's our that's our goal. So we have to put it through that filter, like you're saying. Does marijuana yeah. does marijuana help us see God? I think that's that's really powerful, Jeff. Very good. That's right, and I. Th- I I appreciate how, how you bring up that we can, you know, we can pick on marijuana. I know that's that what what's this podcast is about. So we're going to talk about that specifically. I think there's all kinds of things. You know, we can use media usage to a, to a degree that we don't see things as we ought to. Um, and so I think that's a good point that it's a it's a broad picture. It totally is. Yeah, it's so good. Now, okay, but obviously, yeah, you, like you just said, we're, we're sticking with marijuana here. Now, people. Uh, now may compare, if they're not convinced by that, let's say, they might compare recreational marijuana to drinking um, alcohol. Now, in your article online, you did get into this a little bit more, and I think that was very helpful. So what are your your thoughts on this, comparing recreational marijuana to to drinking alcohol? Yeah, and and obviously that's something that people bring up right away because everyone knows that alcohol can be a reality-distorting substance too. And yet, at the same time, there's clearly in Scripture, if we're being honest and just looking at the Bible, there's a a, a permissive use of alcohol within a Christian context, within a Christian framework. There's an obedient way to consume alcohol as a believer. And in fact, um, alcohol has a place uh, in redemptive history, in that consummating wedding feast uh, when Jesus returns for his bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be wine right. <laughs> there, yeah. as right. Jesus tells us. Um, and uh, it, it has a, a role to play in that big picture. And, and, and even in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that, you know, uh, wine, God gave wine in two places, it says us, uh, God gave wine to make glad the heart of man. So this, the, that lubricating, some of those lubricating effects of wine even are not necessarily sinful. Now, on the other hand, uh, you know, it's a, there's a commands against drunkenness, that there's a place where that those lubricating effects actually turn into where reality is distort, distorted to a degree where it's clearly sinful. Um, and so I like to couch this in, and I think we should, what is the purpose of wine and how would it perhaps in that framework that we talked about earlier enhance or clarify reality and how might it distort reality? So um, when we are drinking wine at a wedding feast, every wedding is a parable of that final full consummation of the return of Christ and capturing his bride for himself, capturing the church for himself. Um, when we have wine at that feast, we are looking forward to that. We're playing out a mini parable in our joy, in our celebration, in the marriage union that is taking place that is a representative, a picture of a bigger marriage, a more important marriage, a marriage between Christ and the church. 
And and so as we celebrate in that wedding context and and enjoy and 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 the wine has a role in that, um, we're pointing to that greater reality. And in fact, it's clarifying. Even the socially lubricating effects of that wine is a clarifying agent to that end and playing out that that uh, a parable. Now, even at a wedding feast, you can drink too much wine where it's no longer in keeping with the character of the Christian witness and the fruits of the Spirit that that uh, are laid out for us in Scripture. But when someone pulls out a, uh, a flask of whiskey at a funeral, does it have that same clarifying, does it speak to that same reality? I don't think so. I don't think it plays that same role. Um, that and instead, that is trying to numb us. Someone's using alcohol at that point to numb or lower the the pain of the reality that is before them. That that someone has has died, and this is an awful thing, and points us to the curse that is presently uh, existent. Um, and and that should push us towards our need for Christ in the gospel. So I think there is a a godly reality clarifying use of alcohol, and there is an ungodly distorting use of alcohol. But I don't see that same use of marijuana as with alcohol. First of all, like you said, marijuana is not even mentioned in Scripture. So we want to be careful um, to, you know, say, well, marijuana could be a picture of this or a picture of that when Scripture doesn't tell us that. Um, whereas, whereas wine does really clearly in the Bible um, have uh, a place in, in that grander picture of redemptive history. Yeah, no, that that's really helpful. And and something that I I would even say that in uh, in a book by Mark Ward, he says that the National Highway and Traffic Administration Committee they were trying to figure out how they can assess people for uh, driving. So they they were trying to figure this out, and they say that one to two hits of marijuana mm-hmm. is going to put you in this sort of you know quote unquote drunken effect, like the, the yes. effects of it's going to affect you. So whereas there's a, between a sip of alcohol and drunkenness, there's a, there's a pretty vast uh, kind of uh, time there uh, that's okay. Like you're talking about at weddings and things like that, this lubricating effect. Whereas with, with, uh, with marijuana, there's not really this sort of in-between state that I don't think it's really possible. And maybe you can speak into this to, you know, take a, take a toke of whatever, some marijuana to enhance. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and I think that is true on the whole. Um, I do think we have to be careful, too, because especially in this era where more and more different strains of marijuana are being developed, that they are developing you know, strains with lower amounts of THC. And I don't want to build my, uh, an argument on someone's individual experience of marijuana, whether, whether there's varying degrees of highness. I think there is. You know, and even in my uh, experience of of when I was smoking marijuana, you know, you can be really, really high and, or you can be high. Um, but, (laughs) but, but, um, either way, um, I think in my experience, either in a more subtle long-term way or an immediate, just, I'm not sober way, marijuana seems to have, uh, an impulse, a trajectory towards reality distortion rather than reality clarifying. It doesn't doesn't really have that role um, uh, that alcohol can sometimes have, even in a helpful way uh, in a Christian the Christian life. That's really good, uh, Jeff. We only have like a few minutes left, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go to one of the questions I think is a little bit more uh, appropriate and relevant, and it's this. Um, 
What is one thing you'd say to Christians who, you know, totally are on the same page as you and they just have this, you know, they, they think it's wrong uh, and they sort of look down upon or maybe judge other Christians or quote unquote Christians who believe this is okay. So uh, that recreational marijuana is okay. What is the, you know, what would you say to them? How would you kind of help pastorally tell them to, you know, talk and maybe uh, engage with, yeah, again, Christians who believe this is okay? Yeah, no, that's a really good question, I think. Um, because while I think there are clear principles in Scripture that would lead us towards a very um, a healthy skepticism, at very least, of of any recreational marijuana use that would cause us to challenge a brother or sister that is recreationally using marijuana um, for their for their good in Christ. It is not as clearly laid out in Scripture um, as far as marijuana by name um, as some other things. Um, and so I do think we have to be careful. We want to convince people of truth. We want to try to win them to what is true, and if someone's living in an unhealthy lifestyle, especially in the context of local church, we have a responsibility to do that. Um, but but when another brother or sister, let's say, especially of another local church, is 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 disagreeing with us on this, we must remember that our unity is not found within our common view of what marijuana is. Uh, our unity is found in the gospel of Christ. And which is really clear in Scripture, and is actually the point of all of Scripture. Um, and 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 so we find unity with with each other, not even in our, uh, um, you know, church polity or or different ways of of uh, different sub doctrines, but in the gospel of Christ. And we celebrate that unity, and and we have conversations within the context of that unity for our mutual good and upbuilding so that we can refine each other and spur one another on towards the upward call in Christ Jesus and to love and good works. Yeah, that's so good. Such a great reminder uh, about uh, Christians in the local church and friendships, biblical friendships as well. It's very, very helpful. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time and your wisdom. Uh, to, to our listeners, I'm going to be posting a link to the article Jeff wrote for Desiring God uh, called Marijuana to the Glory of God. It's a very good uh, article, and he kind of talks a little bit about what he said today, but also even more. Uh, so I'm going to post that on our episode page for you. And again, uh, if you want to check out sellwoodchurch.org, sellwood, so it's S-E-L-L-W-O-O-D, church.org. Uh, that is the church where Jeff uh, pastors, and you can probably listen to sermons and find different resources there. So anyways, thanks again, Jeff. Yes, it's been great talking with you, Isaac. Thank you. That was Portland-based Pastor Jeff Lassine. Once again, the link to his article we talked about will be on the episode page. Perhaps you have thoughts about this topic. It seems like most people do, and that's a good thing. Uh, we should be thinking about this topic. Uh, we want you to talk to us. Comment on the Facebook post, on our Instagram picture about the uh, episode, on Twitter. You can tweet us. You can even email us at hello at We want to hear what you have to say and hopefully engage with you even more on this important topic. Also, just so you know, and I think you would know this if you're a regular listener, uh, everything that we do at In Doubt the Ministry, including articles and Bible studies and live events that we put on, like Let's Talk Marijuana a couple weeks ago now, we give it out for free, but it costs us money to prepare it, figure it out, produce it, etc. If you feel led to help us financially, uh, since we're a nonprofit, you can do so by clicking the donate button and then clicking the I listen to in doubt option at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. 
I just want to say a huge thank you to those who already give uh, regularly and have given before. Much thanks there. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we talk with another Portland-based pastor that we've had on the show before, AJ Swoboda. He's just written a new book on the Sabbath, so this is the issue that we'll get into next week. See you then. Indoubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.